Coaches, are you looking for a way to level up and win more? Then you should check out GMS Plus, your on-demand source for the best, most proven volleyball courses, drills, stats, videos, tips, and much more. You can learn from the game's greats, such as John Spraw, Mike Wall, Heather Olmstead, Keegan Cook, and Courtney Thompson. Whether you're trying to win a state championship or an Olympic gold medal, GMS Plus will get you there. You can get 20% off an annual subscription by going to goldmedalsquare.com CYBO and entering the coupon code CYBO. That's goldmiddlesquare.com slash CYBO. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. We're excited to welcome to the show Olympian, national champion, and the assistant coach at the University of Texas, Eric Sullivan. Thanks for joining us, Eric. Thanks for having me. So we want to get into a bigger topic, but before we get into that, I was uh, curious about your experience coaching on the beach. Uh, I think a lot of people heard, but if people aren't aware, Texas added beach volleyball, which was a huge deal for our sport. I think a big step forward for, for college beach. Um, but yeah, you were the head coach for the inaugural season. And I'm curious how it was diving into being a, a beach coach. Yeah, uh, it was super interesting. You know, we we talked to our kids about being uncomfortable all the time. It definitely was uncomfortable for me. Um, I grew up playing in the sand, and I still play in the sand, so I've, I'm familiar with it, but definitely have never coached it. Um, so, yeah. huge learning experience for me, um, and you know, using just our indoor players and staff for it. So, we didn't really have a lot of people with a lot of experience across the board. Um, but it was, I, I thought, in hindsight, I thought we got out of it what we thought we would get out of it. Um, you know, we talked to our girls about just being inquisitive and curious and having fun playing it, um, not too worried about the results. Um, I was trying to tamper down their expectations. Obviously, we can do some stuff uh, on the hard court that are, that's pretty special. And I knew it would be a, a different challenge for us in the sand. Um, but yeah, you know, I think the majority of our girls really enjoyed it. Um, I think we set it up in a way that it was going to be, you know, we went to Hawaii and played in our first tournament on Kings Beach, which was a killer experience and um, went to Long Beach right after that and then finished up at TCU. Um, so I think they enjoyed the experience of it. It was kind of in a cool setting and we got to go do some fun things around it, um, but they didn't enjoy the losing part of it. And we, we definitely got better as, as we played, um, both myself and the players. Like, I think I was starting to figure some stuff out. Um, but I think in total, maybe we had 22 days, um, with practice and competing. So it was a pretty, pretty quick little, little deal for us. So you, you said you knew that you had to tamper expectations. Did, did they know that? I mean, I can imagine if you're playing at the level that your team is from the indoor side. And then maybe watching, I don't know, maybe they catch some of the Gulf Shores and like, oh, we could, we could crush those. Like, we could do that. Like, what's, you know, uh, did they have a sense of how difficult it would be? Uh, I think they learned real fast. Yeah. Um, I tried to tell them, look, you're going to be warming up with a team on the court with you and you're going to be sizing up your opponent. And it's going to be some little 5'10", you know, young woman that can, that can play the game at a real high level, but she's not doing anything that really catches your eye. Yeah. And it's going to be trouble for you. Um, 
I don't, I don't think they really understood it. I mean, we, we got out in practice and we got in some of the elements when it got windy, you could tell they were starting to realize like, wow, this is pretty challenging to try to control this thing when there's some stuff kind of working against you. Um, like I said, for the most part, we had, we had a couple kids that had had played some. We had some kids that you know had played here or there, and then we had some kids that hadn't played at all. And um, I mean, you could definitely see that kind of across across our group. Um, like I said, you know, talking to them, they all the majority of them really enjoyed the experience, and I think a few of them would probably stick around in it if their indoor careers don't go the way they want. So. Yeah. I think we've all had that experience. I can remember my first California, like CBVA. This was back when it was the big court, right? And you, I mean, in the war, in warmups, you know, you're just bouncing balls and it's this old, like 50 year old who can't move. Yeah. And then you go out and play and just get absolutely slaughtered. And it's just the yeah. worst, worst feeling. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up in that as well. Yeah. Humbling. Very humbling. Yeah. And then Eric, it seems like there's a big push to specialize early, um, whether it's beach or indoor, I guess, did you find any benefits for your athletes playing beach? You know, for sure. Obviously there's some, the NCAA put some time constraints on us. And when you are using the same athletes for both sports, it gives you some flexibility for some more time. So I think anytime you're just touching the ball more, I mean, at the end of the day, it's volleyball. So getting those extra contacts, having those extra reps, uh, whether it was in the sand or indoor, I think was benefit beneficial for us. And then I, I think the, you know, you're spot on in indoor volleyball, you have the ability to kind of hide some weaknesses, right? Like your middles typically don't handle a lot of balls. They're not ball control players for you. And that doesn't happen all that often. Uh, we'll still train it with those guys because it does happen occasionally and it's important. Um, but you can see those guys making pretty pretty rapid progress just because there's nowhere to hide out there. You know, if you can't set a ball and all of a sudden they're serving your partner, every single ball, you, you got to figure it out pretty quick. Um, so I thought that paid off. You could see that in a few weeks of just training the beach, just the contacts and touches. I think we're getting a little cleaner for us for sure. A yeah. lot quicker than they would just being in your four hour weeks. And what about the negative side? Were there any uh, bad habits learned in beach or anything like that? No, again, you know, it was interesting for us because we were trying to figure out how to structure it because we didn't want to lose the indoor piece of what we were doing. And so, you know, we got into our our individual or what used to be called individual, the short hour weeks first indoor and then slowly progressed into sand. We never totally got into just sand practice. We always had a day of indoor stuffed in there somewhere, but we had about I don't know, maybe eight to 10 beach practices, but we always had indoor around it. So we were kind of bouncing back and forth. I'd reached out to some coaches that were still doing that, using that model for their programs. And they didn't think that there was any really ramifications or problems doing that. So we, yeah, we were bouncing back and forth. So I don't think we did it long enough to really get into anything quirky with the two. Um, you know, the timing of it, obviously, when you're approaching in the sands, a little different than indoor and kind of the speed that you can be going at. Um, but, you know, we actually, our last weekend, we we trained all indoor, went up and competed Friday and Saturday in the sand at TCU, and then played an indoor match on Sunday afternoon <laughs> without touching an indoor ball for two days. And that's, you know, for the first 10 points, maybe it was a little bit uh, sloppy. It wasn't all that clean. And then it, it cleaned right up. And I don't think you could really tell the difference. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder, 
you know, and I, I don't know, we had carts on recently and that, I mean, that's the way he grew up. Right. And a lot of, a lot of players grew up that way, whereas you bounce back and forth, but the model now for, especially for juniors and club, and I think it's, you know, the business model of we're going to get you for this amount of time. You've got to commit to this sport. Obviously there's been some benefits, but the downsides too of, of maybe injuries and burnout and things like that. Do you think there's a way to integrate it with the junior level? And I guess, how, how would you go about it? Or how, like, as you're talking to recruits, would you be pushing for more back and forth? Yeah. Uh, I'm not quite as old as Karch, but I'm pretty close. And I think the model has just shifted so much. I don't, I don't feel at least with the indoor girls, we really don't have like a periodization of the year. I just think they're going 12 months out of the year. Right. And I don't know again how the the beach season set up if they're doing that as well, which I would imagine they are because it seems like all junior club sports have kind of moved into that model of more is better. But when I was growing up, we had pretty distinct seasons, right? Like you'd play high school, and then club wasn't as defined. But you weren't doing anything in the summer, like you were playing beach, and it was awesome to bounce back and forth. You know, it'd give you a great break. I, and fortunately for me, I, I my first couple of years out of college, I went and played overseas. And then played in the Bud Light Foreman Tour when I came back. And it was, you know, by the time you were done with indoor, you know, you'd roll back and it'd be like, oh, great. I get to go hang out on the beach for four or five months and compete out there. It was perfect. And then same thing, you kind of start to get burned on that a little bit and you'd bounce back indoor. I just, I feel like now there's, gosh, I would hesitate at all to, I mean, I would love for our indoor players, the kids that are coming to us to go play beach because I think it's great for your game. But man, they're just getting worked at all different angles, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they're at all involved with the high performance stuff with USA and mm-hmm. all these camps going on. It's they're just they're going 24 7, 365 days a year. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. It'd be nice to find some balance some way if, if they could, uh, slow down on one and I guess it'd obviously be driven by what they're interested in but it feels like you have to sometimes just be yeah like you said 12 months a year in one and I don't know if that's a great sustainable long-term model no yeah Um, I don't know everyone I talk to as well like we we really haven't talked too much about having indoor players play in the sand and vice versa but everyone I talked to said that eventually those players like it's just hard. It's hard for them. I think they burn out. They're going from one season to the next, and mm-hmm. they tend not to get great at either sport. They're kind of somewhere in the middle with both. Do you, do you guys use any of your indoor players? We, you know, we used to, and and now we had uh, one starter, so it's less and less. Yeah, it's been a couple, couple each year. I think it takes a special, special person, and especially like academic from the academic side, and someone who's just, yeah, maybe a. Uh, plumber yeah there you go yeah. and even she should make it but yeah i think it's doable with the right person but it's hard for sure but i think the three of us would have been all over it <laughs> yeah but we're rare you know uh, i don't i think i probably know the answer to this one but what about like psychological effects i feel i, I hear people talk about it uh, the idea of confidence and not you know messing with the player's confidence and it just made me think when i thought of you know you're taking this probably very confident group who won a national championship and then putting them and turning them into beginners. Was there any concern about how it was going to affect uh, something like that? Um, for, for us, uh, there was a little concern. I mean, we, we definitely talked about it. And like I said, I tried to tamper those expectations and mm-hmm. 
tried to make it more about the experience and about just trying to have fun with it. Um, you know, we expected them to show up and compete to the best of their ability, both in practice and in competitions. Um, but we were also weren't doing it long enough. Like I don't felt like we did it long enough for it to really be this, I don't know, this way to identify with themselves of like, Hey, I'm this beach fair volleyball player. Now, you know, I play indoor, but I'm also a beach player and gosh, I'm pretty good here, but I suck over here. I don't think we ever really got to that. It was all still, I think very uh, nuanceical or just kind of like, it was just something fun we were doing for a month. You know, it wasn't this, there were no consequences behind it. Right. And, and I I don't know for good or bad, that's kind of how we approached it of like, Hey, the, you know, winning and losing will take care of itself. I definitely didn't do a very good job. Well, I did a great job of scheduling of what we were trying to accomplish on the front end. But when we got, kind of the final schedule of who we were playing I looked at it based on the rankings and was like oh oops <laughs> I think yeah. probably two-thirds of the teams we played were ranked in the top 20 yeah and I don't know we probably could have done a better job of trying to find some matches that we would have been a little more competitive in mm-hmm. uh, but we had a good time with it <laughs> that's actually one of the challenges of beach scheduling is because you schedule where you're going to go and you don't necessarily know who's going to be there yeah. You know, we're indoor. It's so much more regimented, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I, I don't know in, in my ignorance too, like I didn't really, I mean, I, obviously I knew some of the teams that were, that were good, but didn't really know all the teams that were up and coming and mm-hmm. you know, building their programs and stuff. And so teams, you know, when I was initially told like, Hey, all oh, these three or four teams are going to be there. I'd be like, Oh, great. You know, I know, you know, I know Hawaii has historically been pretty good and, I don't know about these other teams. All of a sudden I looked and they were all top 15 teams as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the last two, three years, the landscape's changed a lot. And obviously now Texas going all in, that's going to change things too. And it's going to be interesting to see the dominoes, like who, who it's going to affect, who's going to add and where the sport goes. Yeah. Well, well the main top, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, anytime you get uh, big athletic programs getting into it, I think it's, it'll be good. Yeah, no, it's, it's exciting for sure. Uh, so the main topic we had for today was, and it's a series of shows where we're going to talk to all the championship, the NCAA championship coaches and talk about um, their teams and kind of what, what some of the qualities were and maybe the behaviors, the standards the teams had. So just kind of more, more broadly, what would you say are some of the big things as we go back to the indoor season, not, not the beach team, but the indoor team, uh, what would you say were some of the things that made the Texas team a, a championship team? Yeah. You know, we had a, it was a really interesting year for us. Um, we had quite a bit of turnover with the portal. Um, and so we had, uh, I think 11 new players in the gym. Um, but a bunch of those players were transfers. So they weren't, you know, necessarily freshmen. So they weren't young having a new experience. They were older players that had been through it in another program. Um, so I think that gave us a very interesting makeup. Um, one of the things that we knew going in is that we were going to be really deep and we have obviously have some nice players in some positions, but we were, we were really good in a bunch of positions, you know, maybe not the best in the country, but we were three or four deep in every position. And so one of the things that I think think was spot on for us as we identified early is how do we get everybody on board with competing in that environment and 
we came up with a theme. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the term Ubuntu. Mm, yeah. Which is uh, I am because we are, is mm -hmm. basically how it's translated. It's an African term that a bunch of tribes use. That's about, you know, community. The, the, the importance of your community is much bigger than the individual. And there's some really cool sayings in that come out of it of, you know, my, my happiness and my success and the things that are going to motivate me are going to be driven by seeing those same things with the people around me. So kind of, if it can't be me, then I want it to be you kind of mentality. Um, and so we really kind of pushed that narrative early on. And I think the girls really embraced it. And again, most of them knew coming, you know, I think the majority of kids that come to us know that it's not just going to be the, hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to, you know, have my place on the court and it's not going to be in a competitive environment. I think our gym is pretty, typically we have, you know, a lot of kids that can play and you got to go compete for spots. And that's just part of coming to our program. So, but I think this group really embraced it. It was cool to see. And again, it wasn't without hiccups. There were obviously times where, you know, there was actually, I don't know, this kind of goes to the the DNA or the culture of our team. Um, you know, Logan was playing six rotations for the majority of the season for us, Logan Eggleston. Uh -huh. And there was a point where she just wasn't really performing at the level that we needed her to perform at. And Madison Skinner was kind of on the up and she was doing great things. And we brought Logan in and just said, hey, look, we're you're going to be a three rotation outside right now for us. And Maddie's going to play six rows. So a little bit of a demotion. I think most people would say uh, you're diminishing my role a little bit. And Logan, to her credit, there was no emotions. There was like, you know what? You're spot on. I would do exactly what you guys are doing as well. I think you're right to do that. It's fair, not only for you to take that away from me, but also really fair that Madison gets a, a chance at that because she's deserved that. And then the next breath, she said, I'm going to earn that back. And we went out to practice. And that actually occurred about two or three weeks later. We ended up shifting back as Logan started performing a little better. And um, we felt we were a little better in that model um, going down the stretch. But that was kind of the, the that was our team's DNA. It was just kind of this, I get it. And all right, I'm going to go compete for this. And that's awesome for Maddie. Let's go. Yeah, that's great. And I could see how important it was with the depth you guys have, the the Ubuntu, the I am because we are. I'd imagine even still there was, uh, I mean, you have top players in the country. They're the best players in their state and, uh, you know, who then are on the bench. I imagine there's still conversations and people coming in like, yeah, I get this idea, but I want to be on the court. Like, what do, <laughs> what do I have to do? Like, what does it take? Um, you know, I, I love seeing her get better, but I want to, I want to beat her out. So I yeah. guess, how do you, how would you handle those? Like, how would you give I don't know, is it giving people like, here's the steps you need to do to beat them out or you just need to accept your role and 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 play to it? Yeah, the, the role thing is really interesting and we debate about this all the time. I know a lot of coaches want to get in the room at the beginning of the year and lay everybody's roles out. But I don't know, I always felt as a player, like my role, I, I was always trying to improve my role. You know, my role should be a constantly changing thing and and mm -hmm. I don't, you know, just to be like, Hey, you're our third outside. I don't know. I'd be walking out of that meeting going, you know, F you, I'm going to go earn my spot into the top two outsides. Yeah. And I had plenty of those meetings as a player and I never just felt like, Oh, here's my role for the year. Hmm. 
Um, I think for us, a, a huge thing and what we try to do is just transparency. So a ton of communication. We try to teach the girls and help them communicate with each other. Um, you know, when there's difficult conversations to have, we're not shying away from those at all. We're embracing that. And, um, you know, I, I don't think people realize that, that as a coach, like those are hard for coaches too. I know plenty of coaches in the countries that that don't like having those conversations with players. I'm one of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to know that, hey, I got to meet with these three players and have these have these talks with them about like, hey, here's, you know, it's a little disappointing for you to hear this, but here's what's going on. And I think it's one of the things that Jared's done a really good job in our program of of developing that and nurturing that um, and starting from the top down. I think he's really good with it. And then we try to have a little more of a horizontal structure build to our program. We want our, our kids with, we give them tons of input into what they want their program to look like, what they want the standards to look like. Um, I think any leader would tell you when you have buy-in from the people that are theoretically below you, that the group just moves in a much more efficient way. Um, so, you know, we, we just, we do a ton of that stuff and it's not super structured. We don't have, Hey, here's the five lessons that we go over every semester or whatever, but a lot of conversations with, you know, whoever we've deemed as the leaders, as well as with the group and the freshmen, this is something that we have, we started doing, um, in the last couple of years is we bring our freshmen in and just kind of give them a real, um, kind of take the warm and fuzzy out of things and just go, look, this is really hard mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think the the psa is the prospective student athletes these kids that are coming up through club hear that enough of like look i get this is what you want and it's really cool it's a fun thing to be a part of but it's really really freaking hard yeah and so we sit our freshmen down and go look this this next four months i don't care what you've done what experiences you've had in the past are going to be the hardest four months of your life with academics with the team with travel with the time management load, everything that you've done in your life, this is going to be the hardest four months. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be really rewarding. It's also going to be super challenging and emotionally distressful. And you're going to go through all these ups and downs, but I don't know. I, I just don't think they hear that enough of like, a, you know, there just needs to be this little, this is what it's like. It's not all warm and fuzzy because they've been getting that all the way up, right? Hey, you're the best player on your team everybody's recruiting you everybody's putting on their best face come here we love you it's all great and it's just not the way it is and so I think a lot of kids get here or at least to this level you know they go to college and and they're all of a sudden they're like oh my gosh this is what, what the coach was like when he recruited me and this isn't what it's like when he told me you know come here and we'll take care of everything for you like this is hard yeah that's great I can see how important that is it must be a shock. And I mean, I, I think fresh the first semester of college is I think always the hardest. And especially you guys are straight into season. I, I can imagine yeah. it's important to get that across. I'm, I'm wondering, as I hear you talk about what you guys have created at Texas, and I'm thinking back to, I mean, I don't know if everyone knows about the, the storied history of UCLA and where you played for Al Skates. And, and obviously there was a large amount of really good players. Uh, and, you know, the, the legendary blue curtain where you had to kind of work your way. Uh -huh. From one side of the next and i know it's a different era different time but are there there lessons you pulled from that to to this or is there anything to draw from that yeah 100 percent. it's um so i was i was good i wasn't the best coming out of high school like i was i don't know top 15 20 player 
Um, but there were for sure outsides better than me. I, I could name a handful of them that you would know really well. And, you know, I knew, I kind of knew, I don't know, the all, all the information stuff that people have now is totally different. I knew kind of the 12 guys that were playing for UCLA the year or two before, and that was it. I walked in there, there were 30 guys that were 10 times better than me. And I didn't, I didn't know half of them. I just walked in. I was like, oh my God, who are all these guys? And they can all play. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had a miserable freshman year. I was too weak. I wasn't very good. You know, I was good for a couple of days and my body was just smashed because I physically wasn't at the level that I needed to be at. Um, so I spent a lot of time on the other side of the blue curtain with, with guys. I mean, this was our, our class. Um, Swadek was the best player to come in with our class. Um, he was the best, uh, probably the top three player in that class. Uh, but it was me, Kevin Wong, Jeff Nygaard, John Sparaw, and we spent a full year on the other side of the curtain yeah, and just grinding it out. And I don't know, that I think made all of those guys in that group kind of what they are today, what they were able to accomplish, which was super cool. And was it something Al did or is it just that environment where you just got to fight for everything you earn? Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it just happened by accident. So yeah. it was definitely something that Al did, but it was that environment. I mean, it was uh, you. So the way practice was structured is we would warm up together. We would have all 25, 30 guys in some kind of drill for a little while on one court. And then after about 45 minutes, they would send, you know, the other half on the other side of the blue curtain and the starting 12, 14, 16 guys or whatever would be competing on the the top court. And I don't know, half or two thirds of the guys would walk right out the door. So they would go over to the other side of the blue curtain and just keep walking and they were done for the day. And, you know, Al didn't probably know anything otherwise. Um, so I don't know, at some point you had to decide whether you were going to swim or, or drown, I guess. And so, you know, our group, I think, was pretty unusual in the fact that we everyone in our group was determined to swim. And for sure, it came easier for some than others. But I mean, Spraw is a great example, right? Like, he obviously got into the starting 12 or was, like, at least traveling all the time. But he didn't really play until his senior year. And then, you know, his senior year was phenomenal. Would that still work in the transfer transfer portal age? Like, do you think half that group would have been gone? Uh, I don't think it will work. I think, I think the mentality of younger generations and kind of what they grow up with is a little different. So mm -hmm. I think it'd be a hard way to manage a, a group like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me, the beach part of that was interesting, right? Like for us, we only had 14 players and there was no real, I mean, obviously we had our better players in the higher um, groupings or whatever, but I wasn't managing 20 or 25 of them. I mean, look at the size of some of these rosters. It's like, gosh, what are you doing with, 15 through 22 and how are you managing those guys usually those are the harder kids to manage right one through eight or nine are probably pretty happy nine through 12 are come and go depending on the day and then the rest of the kids that aren't really playing all that much you know what are they thinking every day are they helping your group out are they disgruntled employees coming in every day like that 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 part of it's pretty amazing 
Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that part out. <laughs> how many you guys? How many beach players do you guys carry? We've tried to keep it smaller. Um, you know, yeah. we're we're an expensive private school, which I think leads to some of that too. Maybe more like Marv did at Pepperdine. Uh, but we had we had 17 this year, um, and I think that's about the number we'd like to be. You got four yeah. courts of four people, but there's the benefit of the other side of it where you're, you know, I think kind of like Al Al did, and lots. I mean, this year I think TCU, UCLA, Florida State on the beach, they all had huge rosters, and obviously you have more people to select from and competitive side of it. I think there's benefits to both ways, but I like the idea of more like going all in on. A smaller group of the right people yeah but i could see either way yeah it's nice if look if some of those kids you get a kid that's maybe a marginal kid you don't know if she's going to be great or not and she can come and develop for a couple of years and is willing to do that that's the harder thing i don't think a lot of kids are willing to right say, hey, my timeline here is a couple of years and we, right. we've been really fortunate to i don't know we've had this nice run of really nice physical middles and it's given us the ability to redshirt some kids which is super rare in division one women's volleyball. And mm. somehow they just feel like it's some knock on them. Yeah. And I mean, Asia, Asia O'Neill is a perfect example. She came and redshirted and she was behind, um, God, who's she behind Morgan, uh, Johnson and Brion yeah. Butler. And then I don't know, she's got one more year with COVID. So she's got an extra year and she's coming back and playing for us, but she just made the VNL roster this weekend for the national team. So she's getting to do that stuff. So having that extra time with her and having her, especially with some of the physical stuff she had going on, it's been, been phenomenal. And I imagine she would tell you the same thing now that she's been through it. Obviously there were some emotions and that first semester was a little tough for her, but. Well, we've talked know. On the guy yeah. side, like I've redshirted, and I, I, my career, I would have, I would have drowned if I couldn't have redshirted. It's the best thing I did too. Yeah, no brainer. We tell them all the time too. We get all these kids that come through and they're first team All Americans their senior year, and it's like, gosh, man, I would do anything to have one more year with you versus that your freshman year when you were tragic and played all of twenty minutes. You know, right? It's hard to see the long game. Yeah, especially nowadays. I just don't think they have the ability to really see that that far into the future. They want everything now. Well, so we talked a lot about your guys' culture there. I guess to get into volleyball specifics, uh, what made you guys tough to play against? And are those strengths kind of unique to you guys or are they important for, I guess, all championship teams? Yeah, I think um, probably each team's built a little differently. Um I, I think for us, we had, we just had so much balance. Um, we knew offensively that we were going to be able to attack teams in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, we didn't need to do it in some unique fashion. You know, we didn't need to create some offensive system that was built around smoke and mirrors and trying to create distractions and, I don't know, dysfunction on the defensive side as much as, look, we just we're going to have three or four hitters coming at you all the time. And really, we didn't have any any holes anywhere. You know, I, I think most people would would tell you Molly Phillips was maybe the our weakest attacker just because she wasn't as dynamic as everybody. But I think she hit 370 on the year with almost two kills a game, right? Which any any team in the program or in the country would take with their right side. Um, so our balance, I think, was a strength for us. Our balance and our depth 
um, as un as unexciting as that may sound. Um, we knew for us uh, defensively and ball control was kind of going to be the big part for us, and we were we were very okay at it. About halfway through the season, we kind of challenged our team. And our six NCA matches, we were top three in all categories defensively. Um, so they kind of embraced that piece, and we started to kind of just smother teams. Um, I just think, and we always felt, you know, I, I, I think the best way of looking at it as a coach is if you can force the other team to just be great for a really long period of time, it becomes overwhelming. Most teams will crack or just can't do it. And so for us, you know, most teams, even even teams that maybe aren't highly ranked, will play out of their minds for 15 or 20 minutes. And then it's just, you know, can we enforce our will over a long period of time? And I, I just think we did that. We were we didn't have any gaps. We were well balanced and we could play the game for a long period of time. Um, do you, can you train that consistency or that like, do you work that into practice somehow or is it just come with having that depth? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's about a little bit how you teach the game. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, we're very into how we manage errors. Um, I don't know how to say this in the, in the best way. We don't go out playing to not make errors, but we want them to think their way through the process. And I'm a very risk versus reward thought process coach, I guess, meaning that, hey, I'm in some kind of bad situation as an attacker, whether the set's not great, whether I just don't have a great approach or that everything's off, not to close my eyes and just blast at the ball of, you know, we'll we'll be consistent there. And again, we're, we're going to make errors. We're okay with making errors, but it's how about we go, how we go about making those errors, I think, which is important. So we talk a lot about that, about managing the game. Um, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that just think for whatever reason, like, oh, you just need to be aggressive all the time. And, you know, if you get some crap set and just whack it out of bounds, like at least you're going for it. And I don't think that's the case at all. I, I think the more I played at a high level, especially internationally, like you start looking at the best players in the world, they were obviously guys that can get up and do some things physically, but they would just never give you anything. You know, you would start looking at stats at the end of the game and it's like, Jesus. You know, they didn't, you know, they made 10 errors in a match and they made, they forced you to compete for everything. Those are, those are the great teams. The, the Serbian team that won it in 2000 in Sydney was a perfect example of that. You would watch them warm up and they had a couple guys and, but overall they were, they were pretty medium. And then 45 minutes into the match, you're like, Jesus, they just gave you nothing. So. I don't know. We we try to structure around that. And again, it's a lot of talk and conversation and teaching, not so much just like, hey, we're going to go drill the heck out of this thing. I mean, it, it, one of the other things, too, about this group that made it really special is our depth provided us the ability to get in and compete every day in practice. Um, and that's that can be pretty unique at our level. Um, you know, a lot of times you have six, seven, eight great players and then you drop off pretty heavily. We were Gosh, I, I don't know. We were 16, 17 deep. There was nobody that we couldn't put in in practice that would drop our level.